Hey, Assembly family, we're so excited that you chose to join us for worship this morning. If you're with us every week, or if this is your first time ever joining us for online worship, we are so excited to have you here. Would you take just a moment and fill out the connect card that our online service host has dropped in the chat? We like to make giving incredibly easy here at the Assembly. You have three ways to give. You can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. You can navigate to the top right-hand corner if you're on a desktop and click on the Give Now button. If you're on a mobile device, tablet, or smartphone, you can click on the three lines for the menu, click the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons are going to navigate you to our online giving platform. You can also give via text message. If you text the number 77977 with a message that says S. See Assembly Give, all one word, you'll receive a link to our online giving platform. You can also give via mail, by mailing either a check or money order to The Assembly, 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Again, thank you for giving to The Assembly. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that the rest of this service blesses and encourages you. I, uh, I got a really precious memory of coming to Florence years ago, and I don't know if anybody's in the building that remembers this, because we're probably talking almost 30 years ago now. We were over with Pastor Ross, and I was preaching, and back then, I could wear cowboy boots. <laughs> Do you remember what happened? <laughs> And I'm up there, and I had the prodigal son over in Myrtle Beach. And he had wasted all of his money, and he was coming home. And Daddy was sitting on the front porch. Mama was putting up the dishes and banging the pots and pans, and the cattle were making their way to the barn. And old Blue Tick Hound was sitting on the porch. I had it all laid out. And whenever Papa realized what was happening, that his son was coming home, I jumped off that platform with my cowboy boots, and it made a noise. And one brother jumped up back there and hollered, look out! And I had about six guys over here that dove down. They thought it was a drive-by. <laughs> I cherish those memories. I want to preference and start off with a scripture verse that I want to start with it and then we'll end with it. But Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 fits exactly into the worship theme that we had going on here, brother. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We want to talk a little bit about that just a little bit later on. He forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. 
Can I get a witness in the house today that there is a God who showed up today on Palmetto Street in Florence, South Carolina to invade our life and to do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. My old college president used to say, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. But when you have done everything that you can do, he will do what you cannot do. And that's where we are today, friends. We're in a place where we need to cry out, God, help us. Help my family, help my church, help my country. For we are a needy people. It's not the deacon nor the preacher, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Wow. I could just take off and go with that because let me tell you, when the presence of the Lord comes down, what you, we've got planned may not be exactly what he wants to do. Anybody okay with that? Mm -mm -mm. there's one in the house that's greater than us his name is Jesus let's say it Jesus Jesus we need you today hallelujah got a few pictures that I want to run through and I want to share you some of the, with you some of the things that has happened over the last 31 or 32 years. My God has been so faithful. I could just go on and just take from here to four o'clock and tell you stories of how God has been faithful. Can I just sum it up in saying that I'm here today as a result of something God started a long, long time ago. When Jeremiah 29, 11 comes into our life and he says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to bring you to an expected end. When that becomes reality in our life, time will prove there is a God who will take us to an expected end. Wow. Teen Challenge has kind of evolved or made a lot of changes over the years. It took me a long time to learn how to say adult and Teen Challenge. Whenever you're working in it for years and years and years, and, and then all of a sudden they come along and say, well, you got to put the word adult in front of it. I literally had to sit down and practice saying it. Because all these years we've been taking young people all the way up through middle age and sometimes older, men and women who have made bad choices in life, who do not have that relationship with Jesus, who walked their own course and found their own demise. But I got good news. There was a one, one man in 1958 Decided he would go where he was not comfortable. He would do something that he would not, he wasn't trained to do. But he would walk to the concrete jungles of New York City. And he would walk those streets and make friends with those gangs. And there were some notorious individuals in that group 
that would just as soon cut you as look at you. One by the name of Nikki Cruz said, Preacher, if you don't get out of my face, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson said, in every piece we'll cry out that God loves you, Nikki. There's something about the love of God that you can't fight. <laughs> and that organization has now gone through many, many changes. We've, I've kind of grown up in it myself. I grew my teenagers up in it. And if we'll move on to the next slide, I'm going to try to tell you a little bit about what God's done for us. The connecting road that connects the Conway Courthouse Road to the Georgetown Courthouse Road, there's a, a back road, road called Highway 701, goes through the country. I told somebody yesterday, they asked us, where's your facility? I said, we're in the country, 15 miles south of Conway. And when I leave the country, at the end of the day, I go to the woods to my house. We way back in there with the bear and the deer and, and the coyotes and all that stuff. But that facility there, located on Highway 701, is a monument to the faithfulness of God. When we were working on the boulevard at a crisis center, trying to snatch individuals out of the pit, so many years of walking those concrete streets and climbing those steps and going into the courthouses and all of that, it just seemed like there came a time where God says, I'm going to let you enjoy some fruits of your labor. And we were able to purchase 45 acres of land and build these facilities that you see here. In fact, a little close up on the next picture would be our offices, beautiful log cabin structures. And God had an idea that whenever we started it, it's kind of like this. We had a board meeting and we made that official decision that we were going to build a facility. And Pastor Ron, I didn't know you had to have collateral and all of that, those assets. I didn't understand the business world. I just knew what God put in here. And our accountant called me and she says, I'm reading in your notes that you're going to start a building program. Newsflash, pastor, you ain't got no money. Oh. <laughs> you know what? God had a plan to help us build all of these buildings. Show them the next photograph of the activity center and then the face of the dorm on the next picture. All three of those buildings and 45 acres of land and we never had to go to the bank to, cash or to borrow a dime. Very soon after we had pulled the construction trailer onto the front of the property, rumor had already got out in the community that we're going to have a bunch of drug addicts and rapists and thugs. I mean, they just had it all built up that we were going to be a horrible bunch of people. And I had these two ladies show up, and I think they were kind of like the, the welcoming committee that you don't want to have show up. And they asked me, what are you doing here, preacher? I could kind of tell from the tone of their voice that they weren't my friends at that point. And uh, I started explaining to them about Teen Challenge and how we help young men with drug addictions and all kind of lifestyle stuff. And one of them finally said, well, where are you going to get your money? And I, it had to be a God thing. I just looked at her and I said, my daddy got plenty of money. 
So they had this deer in the headlight look, and all of a sudden, oh, hallelujah! And we had a camp meeting out in the front of the construction trailer. You know why God had a plan for us to build this place as a place of refuge? A place where people could go for a year. A place where... And I, can I, I'm, I'm just being honest this morning. I found out not long ago, the Lord revealed to me that I can't change anybody. Now, first off, I thought I could change the world and everybody I helped was going to come back and stay with me and help me. You want to know what happened? It didn't work that way. Not everybody liked me. When they finished the program, they moved away. They got married, they went to college, they got jobs, they did all those things. Sometimes I didn't hear from some of them for years. But God's been faithful. God's been faithful. And in those buildings, there is a string of testimonies of young men who have gone through there, encountered the Lord Jesus Christ because I can't change them. But if I provide a place and I provide staff and curriculum and program materials, and all of those things, God will do what Wayne can't do. Praise God for that. I'm glad for that. Let's look here. Tell you what I can do. You could have buildings all up and down this highway, but unless you've got a vision that's God's idea, you're not going anywhere. So God gave us a vision. He gave us the opportunity to be able to put some things together and draw some people around us. And one day I was walking down the street, and I realized, you know what? I've never had an enemy give me money. So you flip that coin over and it says, the more friends I got, the more resources we have to do what we need to do. So I kind of set it out on that plan. I got to make friends everywhere. So I'm going to go down the pew and I'm going to, after church, I'm going to be rubbing elbows and bumping hands and we're going to be trying to make friends because I want you to be part of what God's doing in Teen Challenge, in Adult and Teen Challenge in South Carolina. You can have buildings, but you've got to have staff. So the next picture I'm going to start in introducing my wife. Next May will be 46 years that we've hung together. I got it. Got it figured out. I think. She's been faithful. She's been there. She's a bookkeeper. She's a bean counter. She's a penny pincher. She keeps us. In fact, when we first started building buildings, I told God one time in one of those serious prayer times, I said, God, if you'll give me the money, I'll spend it for you. She came to me not long after that, and she said, you need to slow down on your end of it. <laughs> she said, you're going to about to out outspend God. I said, no, honey, you can't outgive him. You can't outdo what God's going to do. So she's been faithful there as my secretary. Also, one of the blessings I think of ministry is to be able to have your family come alongside you. And this church has a history of that. My daughter, who was just, uh, when we moved to Myrtle Beach, she was only like 10 or 11 years old. She grew up on Ocean Boulevard, went to school there in Myrtle Beach. And now she's my accounting and media publications person and payroll and uh, she had a little girl named Josie. Little Josie was uh, only just a little tot. In fact, while we were building our first building, Josie was playing in the sand pile. 
And now she works in accounting. The other day she walked in and gave me my paycheck. She said, here, Papa, here's your paycheck. I'm thinking, boy, we come a long way, (laughs) Pastor (laughs) Love her. She's finished high school. She loves Jesus. And uh, one day, not long ago, I was working on some electrical stuff. I'm not sure, don't remember. Oh, it was a propane fireplace. I was trying to get the fireplace lit up back at wintertime. And I was having some trouble with it. And she come walking in and Josie says, now, Papa, I want to see Jesus, but not today. (laughs) I don't think she had too much faith in me in that fireplace. (laughs) Some other staff that have come along to join us way back when... We first moved to town, we met a lady by the name of Esther, a godly lady that knows the Word of God inside and out. And we needed to hire a teacher for one of our series of classes, and her name kept coming up on my mind, and I went to one of my board members, and I said, and he said to me, that's an excellent idea. So I talked to some of the other teen challenge directors, and they said, you don't want to put a woman in this program with all these men. And God said, but they don't know Esther. And one of the best choices that we've ever made for a teacher is that lady right there. And we love her. She's made out of pure gold. And she must be tough as steel because she's had four close, a son, two brothers, and a husband that she's lost since October. But God's her helper. And she says, I want to be back in that classroom with my guys. Praise God for good, solid people. Amen? Let's look at the next one. We've, uh, one of the things that I really enjoy doing, when students first come to us, we try to get a picture of them um, so that we can kind of make a comparison and you can see what God's doing in their life. And I think the next one, Tony is, Tony, come here a second. I know this isn't going to embarrass him, but you come on up. Can you give me the next slide? I believe it's, there we go. The picture on the left, he was not a happy camper that day. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you give your story. And you tell them what happened. First off, all thanks and praise to the Lord and Teen Challenge and Pastor Wayne for helping me restore my family and uh, get myself straightened out. On this particular day right here, as you can see, uh, I didn't look uh, very happy that day. It was a 7 June 2017, and uh, I'd been through drug court for about four or five years at this point in time, and uh, I was supposed to graduate that day. And I went in, I paid my PO and all this and that, and I thought, oh, I'm going to slide up out of here and be done with all this. I go into court, and I'm sitting there, and the judge says, Mr. Souter, we need you for you to take your analysis test, Okay. So at that point in time, I go to take your analysis test, and I come back in. The judge asks the PO, he says, uh, did Mr. Souter uh, pass his analysis test? And uh, he said, no, he did not, sir. I was arrested right there on the spot, put in a juror's box, and had to watch all my peers graduate from drug court. It was a very humiliating time for me in my life. But that was in 2017. But I'm going to go back a little bit, because my son... And his girlfriend, we had problems with drugs. My son, his girlfriend, she went to Teen Challenge in San Antonio. And my son came down to Myrtle Beach areas 
uh, Charleston area to try to go through a secular program. And he failed miserably a couple times, okay? At this point in time, his girlfriend's doing really, really well in Teen Challenge in San Antonio. She's blooming. She's become an administrator at this time, and she's helping out. So she's probably had about six months to a year in the program. She told my son, well, if you don't get your life together, I don't want nothing to do with you. So basically said, you need to find God. You need to find the right way of doing things. You need to come to Teen Challenge. He fought for a little while. Eventually, he got far enough down on his knees and in the gutter and said, hey, I, I give up. It's time. So he called Pastor Wayne. Pastor Wayne said, hey, we got a spot for you. Come on up. That's still me. That's my son right there, Chris, and his wife, uh, Miss Stephanie. So, anyhow, he goes to the program. He goes up to the, um, the Teen Challenge in Rearsburg, Pennsylvania, gets training there, and he goes to San Antonio. At this point in time now, they have two separate facilities down there. They have one that's for men and one that's for women. But on their off time, they're allowed to go out and, and you know, go to dinner or whatever the case may be. But the amazing part about that part was is that at this point in time, they had to learn how to court each other again in a biblical sense and bring their uh, relationship in, into the biblical terms. And they'd have to go with people that were married at that point in time. And it just, you know, increased their, their love for each other. And it, it changed their whole life around. And because at one point in time, they was completely done with each other. So at that point in time, they started working for a teen challenge and they in 2016, they got married, okay? And they'd been together for nine years. But once they consummate the marriage and got all the biblical teachings they needed at that point in time, started doing things the right way, five months later, God blessed them with a child. And his name is Christopher Samuel Souter, and, and uh, that's him right there in that picture. And that's my little buddy there, and that's what makes the world go round for me right now, okay? Um... So they get married, they have a child, and they spend four years, you know, working with Teen Challenge, and they move from there, they move up to Charleston, or to their moms in Mount Pleasant at that point in time, that area. And in 2017, though, that's when they come got me, and um, I just spent five and a half months in jail, and I was looking at at least four years in prison if I didn't change my ways. You know, that's hard to do at 55 years old. So anyhow, they come got me in November of 2017, and I came to Teen Challenge, and I went through the program for a year, and I graduated, and I became an intern, and now I'm a staff member, and I've been there for approximately three years total, and I have a beautiful young grandson named Samuel, and I have a granddaughter whose name is Madeline Sue, and my life and my family has been immensely gratitude to Teen Challenge and God, and all it's done for me in the ministry. I love this ministry. It's blessed so many people, and I thank you all for listening to me, and God is the only way. And I'll bet you if you ask him, he's got a picture of that new grandbaby, that little granddaughter, too. We've got to figure out how to get that picture up on the screen with Madeline. Yeah, okay. Now, let's go. I think we probably have another staff member on the next picture. Here we go. Billy. Stand up, Billy. Uh, Billy comes to us uh, He's originally from Mississippi uh, He and I started comparing notes And found out that we went to the same We were living in the same county in Alabama And it wasn't the same school But we were cross county rivals 
and years apart. Now, I'm, I'm a couple years older than him. And so we got a lot of things in common. And when I found out that he wanted a place to work in Teen Challenge, we took him on as an intern, and now he's on staff. He finished Teen Challenge out in Missouri. So Billy's here. Glad to have him. And then the next, the next guy is Peyton. Peyton's from St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. He also went through the program in Missouri at uh, Cape Girardeau. When he graduated, he came here to work as an intern, and he's now our cook. So we're working on him. All right, thank you, Peyton. Uh, We'll, we'll go into our students now, and probably what I'm going to do, because I feel like there's a message that I want to preach, I'm going to have them, when their picture shows up, I want them to stand up and look at what God's doing in their life. Jared has been with us now the longest. He's going to graduate in a couple of months. He recently had to return to learn his fate down in Charleston, where he had gotten in some trouble. And the judge was very pleased with the progress made and says, I'm going to allow you to continue the program. Take advantage of what God's doing for you. God's good. Let's give him look the next one coming up. Here's Nick, Nicolay. When, when these guys commit to a program, some of them... Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy because the, years, the program is a year long, but for some of them that are married and have children back home and a wife, that's a commitment. So I want you to pray for Nick because he's got a wife and six kids. They're back in the Spartanburg area. Their family's loving them, take care, taking care of them. And uh, if you're interested in, in knowing more about him after, I'm sure he'll tell you about his kids. Great goodness. How, how old was the youngest one when you came in? Four months. Three, a little four-month-old whenever he came to us. Four weeks old when he got here. Yeah. What a commitment. Let's see who's the next one on the agenda. We've got Josh comes to us from Chapin, South Carolina. He comes from one of our largest supporting churches, uh, a Methodist church there where I have a dear friend that's on the staff. And uh, that friend called me one day and said, I've got a guy that needs some help. Will you take a chance on him? So we're glad to have Josh. Now, who else do we have here? Tim. Timmy comes to us from Buford, South Carolina. Beautiful, beautiful bay by the bay. Yeah. He's 20 years old. I think he's maybe our youngest student at this time. No, we got, okay, Jay. Well, come up. Well, let's get another picture. We'll get them all figured out here. The next guy on the line, there's Mitch. Mitch is from Mount Pleasant. Hey, I want to tell something kind of funny on him. When he came in, he had some really wild hair, okay? And I said, man, we're going to have to get your hair cut. And he said, I got a receding hairline. I don't want any he's complaining about. I looked at him, I said, and you want sympathy from me? Wrong place to be looking for sympathy, Brother Ron. <laughs> Love you, Mitch. <laughs> Next picture. James. There we go. James is from the great metropolis of Ainer, South Carolina. He's, you've only been here, what, three, three weeks, four weeks? 
A month? Okay, yeah, time's flying on, isn't it? Flies fast. All right, let's go to the next one. I believe we've got, yeah, there's Tyler. Tyler. Tyler is our newest one. You know what? I, I just I didn't have it planned for him to do this. But the Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, okay? Now, here's what we do at Teen Challenge. We don't like this idea of closet Christians. If you got it, you got to tell it, all right? So what we do is we get them up here whenever they're first in the program, and we want them to break the ice and get up in front of a crowd because there's going to come a time where they're going to sing, they're going to share testimony. They might even let them preach one time. And I know he's not real bashful, but Tyler, do you mind coming here just a second? We're going to be part of your first spiritual victory, okay? You hear that? That's your cheerleaders out there. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to give him the microphone. I'm going to just ask him a couple questions, and, and we, hadn't pre, we hadn't rehearsed this, have we? Okay, first of all, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. And from what town? Greenwood, South Carolina. It's all the way on the other side of the state. Now, let me ask you another question. How did you find out about us? Through my grandparents. Um, I've been through multiple different kinds of programs, and, you know, none of them worked. And actually, when I heard about Adult Team Challenge and how it's really focusing on Jesus Christ, as soon as I got here, you know, what Pastor Wayne was giving me through the orientation just really blew me away. It's what I needed. It's what I wanted. So it's what I desired. And all I needed was Jesus Christ in my life. So. And what day did you get here? Um, I got here like two weeks ago um, on a Monday. On a Monday. And this past week was totally unusual. We've been, there's a big concert. You, you can sit down there. Didn't he do good? There you go. <laughs> There's a gospel quartet convention that takes place in Myrtle Beach every year called Singing in the Sun. We started off last Monday morning at 6 o'clock at the convention center, unloading equipment, stacking it up, getting this thing set up. And each night this week, we've been ushering, meeting friends, helping with all kinds of activities. And last night, whenever they got through at 6 o'clock, we had to put everything in the truck. So we're kind of dragging around this morning. And uh, we spent, I don't think there was a single night that we got home before 11.30. And by the time I dropped them off and got to my house, it was always after midnight. But God has been faithful to us. He's been good to us. And I want to share about the goodness of the Lord. I think the next picture is going to launch us into our Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> the way I'm going to talk about this and share this is my personal experience of how I got started in ministry way, way, way back. I'm probably dating myself now. You guys got Alabama roots, right? He does. Let me ask you a question to kind of get me springboarded off on a good note. Remember Oak Mountain State Park? This was a state park near Alabaster, Alabama, near Birmingham. And our church uh, convention used this state park for years and years as their youth camp. And it was in 1964 that I went to that youth camp and Sister Palmer, do you remember Sister Palmer? Yes. Esther Palmer was teaching and they were doing classes that year 
And I was just a little bitty felon in grade school, probably first or second grade, third grade. And I heard God put his hand on my life. At a state park church youth camp, when some people would say, you're too little. But can I tell you something? God knows our plans that he has for us. Standing at those altars, I remember singing, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I had no idea then as a little grade school kid that God would lead me to places like Cherryville, North Carolina for my first church. Give me the next photograph. This is a, and I'm walking back in history and I'm walking back in time. We had just finished Bible college. My wife and I had started our family. Along about 1981, there was little Brent and Mandy and my wife Karen and we ended up at this little church that he's going to show you a picture of. Sets up on Highway 150 in a town called, well, it's written Cherryville, but if you say it, if you're from there, it's Churville. I thought, what in the world? These people don't know how to talk. But let me tell you what, there were some things that God had laid out for me at that particular little church. He knew that I would only be there a couple of years, but he had something in place there that one day... We were coerced into, the, the local pastors were coerced into joining the chaplain at Gaston Memorial Hospital to teach us how to be volunteer chaplains. I didn't want it. <laughs> I missed the first class. I didn't miss the second one after the chaplain got a hold of me. And as we were going through that six weeks of classes, when he got through, we had one particular week that dealt with nothing but addiction and how to deal with addicted people. And at the end of the course, the chaplain cook looked at us and he says, every one of you pastors now have more education on drug addiction than any doctor in this hospital. That was a wild feeling. Because in my church, I realized I had a church full of addicted people. Dysfunctional. We had gang, we had girls that rode with motorcycle gangs. We had, we had people there that were abused by their husbands. We had a guy named Boozy, nicknamed Boozy. We had the local Red Door owner selling liquor had started coming to church on an Easter Sunday and God had done some things in his life. It was a wild and crazy place for a little 22-year-old preacher in his first church. But God had a plan. Now, part of that plan, let's go to the next photograph and I'm going to tell you that this is a picture of Jimmy Swaggart. It was not taken the night I was at the meeting, but it, that picture is so much like what I see in my mind. Jimmy Swaggart had brought his crusade team to Charlotte, North Carolina. And being a sponsoring pastor of his crusade, we were invited to sit on the platform, and he had this big grand piano there playing, and if, you could have, if I could recreate that photograph, I would have been sitting exactly where that picture, where the photographer was sitting. I could have reached out 
and touched the piano. The presence of God was real. It was powerful. And at the end of that meeting, he invited all of the sponsoring pastors to come to the platform and announce where your church is and your service time. I was scared to death because that Colosseum could hold thousands of people. With my knees shaking and my palms sweaty, I walked to the platform. I announced the name of our church and where it was located and the service time. And little did I know that there was a little lady sitting in that audience named Helen. Let me tell you about Helen. She was married to a kind of a rough old cuss. And Helen had contracted some disease that it affected her legs, phlebitis type condition in her legs, to where she was confined to a wheelchair. And somebody had told Helen that there was an evangelist that comes through town. Now, it was not Jimmy Swaggart. It was another person. I won't name that person. But she had been told that if she could get to that meeting, God would give her a miracle. And Helen talked her old crusty, unsaved husband into rolling her in a wheelchair into that Colosseum. And she got a miracle. She folded that chair up and pushed it out of that auditorium, walking just like you and I would walk. Sam told me later on, that preacher made a believer out of me, and that ain't all the words he used. <laughs> Sam was a truck driver, a bus driver in Charlotte. Sam had had a heart attack at age 55 and had to retire. So he moved to the country and decided, if I'm going to live in the country, I'm going to have a good time. And so he and two of his cousins would go and buy cattle. They'd buy baby calves, raise them up, back and forth, sell them. And he had a little farm. He was quite proud of his little farm, but he was a mean old cuss. And so Helen, sitting in that meeting that night, she says, oh, there's a Pentecostal Assembly of God church right around the corner from where I live. And she showed up at church Sunday morning. She said, I was at the meeting last night, and I learned that this church here is an Assembly of God church. And I mean, we had it on the sign out front. She should have known that. But anyway, we became dear friends with Helen. And I said to her, I said, Helen, what about Sam? She said, he don't want anything to do with God. Sam's just one of those that's living his own life. He's a good man deep down inside. How many people know good people, but they're lost? And I said, well, what can I do to get to meet him? So she said, well, come over to the house. And my wife and I and our children, we went over to uh, Sam's. And next picture, there's his cattle where he had about 70 acres and had a little mobile home up there. And I think the next picture is probably going to set the story up really good. 
he had a group of trailers. He had bought some old homes and he had set up some trailers and, and he was basically a slumlord. And they loved him. Sam was just the kind of guy that everybody loved if you were out there on that side of life. And I said to him, I, I know what it was, next photograph, I understood that he uh, needed appliances for his trailers. Well, we had just moved from another location, and I had a brand new stove that I didn't need now that we had gotten to the parsonage. So I called him, I said, Sam, you need a stove for one of your trailers? I'll sell you a stove. He said, well, what, how much you want for it? I said, well, it's almost new. And it was, it was sparkling new. He said, how much do you want for it? And I gave him a price and he tried to cut me. Something inside of me, and those of you that know me, I didn't take that too well, so I just jacked the price back and I said, my price, I deliver. He said, preacher, you drive a hard deal. Okay. He said, okay, I'll buy it, go get it. So I went and borrowed a pickup truck from another guy in the church, and I put this brand new uh, dry, uh, stove, and when I drove up in the yard, he said another one of those words, and he said, preacher, you didn't tell me it was new. I said, Sam, my word is my word. That's just the way it is. We unloaded it. He gave me the money, and he disappeared. I went in the house where Sam and my wife and family were, and, or where Helen was at, and we're talking. In a little few minutes, I heard a stomping on the back steps, and Sam comes walking in, and he's got two big brown grocery sacks. Now, this is before the Walmart t-shirt plastic bags, okay? I'm talking the big brown paper sacks. And he walks in and he sets two bags of fresh cut beef that had been to the processor, frozen hard. And he set it down on the table and he says, I'm sorry I tried to beat you with that stove. God had a hook. And I said to Helen, how can I get to know him? She says, well, every Tuesday, him and two of his cousins go to the cow sale. Why don't you go to the cow sale with him? So I go in, and in the next picture, I, I looked at my little boy. I said, go put your boots and cowboy hat on, son. We go into the cow sale. Now, that was an experience he still remembers. Well, if you've ever been to a cow smell, it, it, it's a bad place. It smells bad. And they use that little whip around, make those cows turn around till the cows get sick. And that's all I got to say about that. It was nasty. But we sat up there in the stands with Sam and Lewis and Ray. They spit tobacco in their, can, in their coffee cups and they talked and they bit it on cows all day. And we said goodbye. I remember they bought us a hot dog. And then we went home and Sam went home, and you know what he told his wife? He said, if that preacher will go to the cow sale with me, I'll go to church with him. God had a hook in a man that he knew he could use.
But every Sunday, Sam would come and they would sit back. They had a particular seat they would sit in. But I knew that once a month, that seat would be empty. Because the preacher that gave her the healing would come to town and Sam and Helen would go hear that preacher. And one morning I started service and I told my wife, I said, well, Sam and Helen won't be here today. Service started and about 10 minutes after that, the back door opened and Sam was standing there with a grin, looked like he'd been cut with a knife from ear to ear. And I'm looking at them, and that's them. And I knew that the other preacher was down in Charlotte. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Sam had come to know Jesus. And he told me, he said, this is my church. (laughs) Did I do that? (laughs) He said, this is my church. And from then on, when I would approach the platform to speak, there would be a cold glass of water. When we needed something for the church, it was Sam that would step up and say, let's get it done. Whenever we wanted to do something or go somewhere, it would be Sam that would be the one that would be the spark plug. And I found that scripture, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. For he forgiveth all thine iniquities. When my friend Sam came to Jesus, there was a whole roll of iniquities that was rolled off of his shoulders. There was a lifestyle that changed. He told me, he said, preacher, you messed me up. He said, I was sitting at the bar and I looked at that can and he uttered one of those words that says, I don't need this anymore. That's just a bunch of losers. And he stepped into the side of glory. He stepped into the side of benefits. He stepped into the side of a happy life. His tenants knew something had happened. He started treating them better. His wife knew something had happened. He built her a brand new brick home. His friends at church knew something had happened. The people he drank with knew something had happened. The people he cussed with knew something had happened because Sam entered into a blessing where his iniquities and his old life had been rolled off and he was living the life of benefits. I'll end with this one, this photograph. Sam prized his bull. If you're in the farming business and you know that you've got a bull, you've got a herd of cattle, you want babies. That's just the way it works monetarily to where you make money. You want babies. Sam started this routine of having to call the vet to come help all of his babies get here. And the vet came to him and says, Sam, you must have a really good bull because you've got so many twins. What in the world's going on with your bull? 
He said, sir, it's not the bull. He said, I learned to take care of my preacher. I learned what tithing is all about. And every year, Sam would have my wife and I go out and look at the herd. And he'd say, pick out the one that's yours. And he would put them up, what they call green them out. He would put them up there and dry feed them for a few weeks. And invariably, he would say, which one's yours? And I'd pick out the scroniest, ugliest one in the crowd. And then he'd take them off to the butcher shop and he'd come back. He said, I don't know how you do it, but every time yours weighs out better than all of the other ones. But he says, I'm blessed. And we had fresh meat the entire we lived in Cherville. Sam learned a valuable lesson. His diseases, God let him live a good, good, fruitful life. And years later, I was called back to do his funeral. And on the day that we did his funeral, I turned the glass upside down. And there were people in that audience that were weeping because they knew that Sam was one that had had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He was one that had come to a point that he didn't have to use that flowery language anymore. He didn't have to be mean to people anymore. He didn't have to do all the things he used to do and go the places he used to go because he had a new life in Christ. Can I challenge you today? There is a good side to live on. We can live in a position where we have benefits that are out of this world. And can I tell you that while we're on that journey, he's more than faithful. Our particular facility has grown in land, in buildings, in staff, in students. And when COVID hit, we watched what we thought would be 20% of our income slide right off the calendar. Not being able to go out to churches. But God had it all set up to where there would be friends that would help to carry the load. A year ago, and I'll just give you one part of the testimony. A year ago when we lost that Singing in the Sun concert, we knew that was an amount of money, a certain amount of money that would not be coming in that year. Just a few days after we got that announcement that that event was canceled and all of our church cancellations, we were sitting there looking at what could have been disaster. But while I was at that church, there was a little fellow there by the name of Kenny. There was a little teenager in our youth group. Kenny knew Sam. Kenny gave his life to the Lord and we sent him off to Southeastern Bible College and he grew up and started a job and got married and we lost track of Kenny. Would you believe that whenever COVID hit and we had lost all, we saw all those losses and especially that big one. Boy, you know, you can handle a lot of little stuff, but when the big one hits you, it kind of hurts. We walked in the house one night and the phone dial was flashing. It was Kenny's wife all the way from the other side of the state. She says, we need your phone number. We've sold a piece of property and we want to bless you. 
Can anybody guess what they did? <laughs> they made up for that concert that we missed last year. That's just one of the benefits of living on God's side. And we saw other th miracles begin to happen so that three months later, we were looking at the fact that God had had so many people step up to help us that we were still doing okay and not missing our budget. Nobody's missing a paycheck. Nobody's missing a meal. Now, the photograph that is up here is something that I want to tie into our offering or our, our ask for help. I was at the Battery, downtown Charleston, and I saw that monument. And it flipped instantly in my mind from being a historical thing to a spiritual lesson. Here's the lesson. I suddenly realized that our ministry was the same as that pyramid. We could get no bigger. You can't stack any more cannonballs on that monument unless you make the base bigger. Does that make sense? And the Lord showed me standing there on the battery, if you're going to reach more people for Jesus through Teen Challenge, you got to get the base bigger. So what we're doing, we're going around to different churches. We have the guys share testimonies. When we can, we have them sing. And our job today is to make friends and ask you, would you come on board and be part of that supporting base that will help us to be able to enlarge what we do and help more people? That's what we're here for. And to let you know that there are benefits beyond anything that we can touch and say in this world. God's got things planned for us. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I say, God, what are we going to do today? What are you going to do today? I kind of got slapped a few weeks ago. I was coming over the bridge just before I got to our place. And I said, God, what are you going to do today? And it kind of dawned on me, he's, he's already got it planned. So I changed it. I said, God, what am I going to do today? And then he really caught me and he says, what are we going to do today? Friends, today is the day for we to get involved in what God has planned for us so that his benefits can be opened up. The only thing that Jesus talked about more than his ministry in heaven was money. And the only thing that God challenges us to test him with is our money. He says, pour you out a or he says, you honor me with, with what's mine and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't contain. I'll show you how it works. A few weeks ago or months ago, we got involved with a lot of this food distribution going to the parking lots and handing out food out of the back of the trucks. And when we were doing that, other sources of food started coming into us to where we've got five freezers and they were all full last week and somebody called and said, I've got a half a freezer of beef. Can you use it? And I had to send it to somebody else. He will pour you out a blessing you can't contain. I felt bad about it, but I realized there was a scriptural principle involved in our life, and we thank God that Florence Assembly, let me get it right now, you've changed. The Assembly 
is on our support list. You're in that base of support for us. And anybody else that wants to join that support, we'd be glad to talk to you. Thank you so much for making that phone. You, you, Judy, you were the one who made the phone call to, to, to come here, okay? And I'm sure Pastor Jaros, you were, you were involved in it, Pastor Ross. All of you. Who gets the microphone now? You do, okay? It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Come on up. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just filling time till you get here and take it. Hallelujah. Thank you for your support. Would you give God a hand? I think it's important to uh, give you some cold, hard facts. Uh, what Pastor Powell did was give you the biblical and emotional message of Teen Challenge. Uh, what I'd like to do before I ask the ushers to uh, come up, we're trusting God to increase our giving to Teen Challenge uh, by faith, but I'm also inviting each of you to commit to sowing a seed into Teen Challenge. I had someone uh, probably three years ago now uh, that said to me while mentioning Teen Challenge, said, you know, I used to be very haphazard with my giving in that program, and I heard it was a pretty good program, and I would do it sometimes, and maybe not other times. And then uh, my son, became addicted and I believe it's out in Kansas City, Missouri uh, that that son was able to connect with Teen Challenge and his life was recovered for God and uh, he said to me if I had committed I wonder if I had committed to this as serious as I should have or as I could have by investing in some young man or woman that was bound even before my son got addicted. Is it possible that that investment would have been counted as righteousness to me and my son may not have even become addicted? I said, that's a great possibility. We'd never know but you're here now, you're committed now, and you're doing great supporting. AA, everyone knows what AA is, right? Alcoholics Anonymous. We give you some of the efficacy rate for them so that you know exactly what you're investing your money in and your resource. AA, on a national scale, national level, by their own national analysis, was that 50% of those 
try AA leave within 90 days. They describe the cost as very much concern. Their own data shows that actually in a 12-year period shown, 19% remain after 30 days, 10% remain after 90 days, and 5% of those who try AA remain, 5% remain after a year. And still, for many, 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 many years, there has been billions of dollars funneled into AA. Can I tell you what our efficacy, our retention rate is with Teen Challenge, both nationally and internationally? Recent study conducted, as a matter of fact, if you wanted to check what I just said about AA, look at cbtrecovery.org c-b-t-r-e-c-o-v-e-r-y dot org cbtrecovery.org Teen Challenge recent study conducted by the Center for Compassion at Evangel University confirms that an astonishing 78% of graduates from Adult and Teen Challenge Addiction Recovery Center remain sober and substance-free post-graduation. So we see the one without God struggling to maintain 5% after a year and the one with, with God has a retention rate, period, not a year, period, of 78%. Could you imagine what would happen if the same amount of money based on knowledge was put into Teen Challenge across denominational lines as we have invested, wasted right now in AA. The foundation of AA does not make sense. God does not want you to be a recovering addict, a recovering alcoholic. They get into the program and they are for life a recovering alcoholic. That is not how God works. When God changes you, you're not perpetually recovering. You are changed. You are transformed. You have moved from death to life. You have gone from outside the ark to inside the ark. You've come from old life to new life and you have started a brand new page the word describes it as being a brand new creation I'd like the ushers to come forward right now
would you put our giving resource back on screen? If you are here and you've got money in pocket, do you want to designate, put it quickly in an envelope and say teen challenge. Every cent of it, there's no cover charge. I don't get 5% because I talk to you. Our church doesn't get 10% because we, we, we put on the program. Every cent given goes to Teen Challenge. Ushers, would you come forward? Uh, there, there's a second usher. There's got to be a second usher. There. Ah. I know we got men in this church uh, and there's another one of those do we have another one of those Derek has one glory be to God if you can see our three giving platforms you can text to give and each of those forms have gives you the ability to designate at the end of the year the giving to teen challenge will also be included in your giving statement because our church absolutely most emphatically believes in full accountability of God's money full accountability we don't play around I ask you to give right now father as your people give to Teen Challenge, sow it into their spirits. Giving is one of our greatest tools in worship. Would you give with us on today in your worship? You can give online at theassemblyflawrence.org. Navigate to the top right corner. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button. If you're on a mobile device, tablet, smartphone, click the three horizontal lines in the top right corner of the screen and click the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform. You can also text to give by texting the number 77977 that says SC Assembly Give, and that's all one word. You'll receive step-by-step -step instructions on how to give via text. Lastly, you can give by mailing in check or money order to The Assembly at 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Help us to advance the kingdom of God all around the world.
come up, my dear. You have been uh, just an extreme leader for our teams. You've been a mama. Our young people, they've gone from looking at you as a teacher to spiritual mama. And I really do believe in my heart that that's more important than having a leader. They need and depend on you, and you have shown yourself to be faithful. Thank you very much for everything you've done for our team. You have been the lead person that brought Teen Challenge in, and I pray that our young people have been touched today. I'd like to give you the last word and ask you to dismiss us. And at this point, I believe you'll tell Teen Challenge where they'll go and we'll end our service there. Serving. Thanks, God. We're going to be serving the young men lunch in just a minute back in the fellowship hall. We're so honored to serve you today and we'll be praying for you. Father, we thank you for your presence that's here today. For your mercy and goodness that follows us when we don't go the way that we should. How we're standing here in that grace and mercy today. Every one of us. We thank you for it. Lord, I know that there are lives standing here today that you have been dealing with. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will not let them go for one second. That that heaviness of your dealing will not leave them until they bow their knee and confess that you are Lord and submit their lives to you. We bless Brother Wayne and his family in this Teen Challenge ministry. Father, that your spirit will lead them, go before them, show them everything that you want them to do, and bless them as they go. Lord, I bless your people as they go out today, that you keep your hand upon them, that you guide them, and give them wisdom in all of their ways. We love you. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name.